0: Okay, and welcome to a very special edition of EdTech Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us. And with me today is an old friend and colleague. Frank, uh, great to see you, although I wish I was seeing you in person in either an airport uh, or lobby bar uh, before or after uh, an EdTech event where we could be uh, figuring out, you know, what we what we pulled out of uh of that event uh usually we we see each other at isti or tca or god knows one of the other events uh but part of the reason why i have you on today is because you are the one who has the magic list uh you, you know maybe we could talk about how the list got started uh but the list has turned into a a, a bit for me a uh, holy grail that i check with with increasing frequency to see some of those slots go from virtual to in-person. So the, let, let's get, just dive right into it. Talk to us about the list, Where? when did, when did the list begin? Well, the list, which is officially called, and if uh,
1: I, I will occasionally be referring to it on another screen here, the U.S. Education Industry and Association Conference Status Tracker,
0: you need, a a, you, need an a, you need an acronym for that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know.
1: And uh, I haven't come up with a good one yet. But that it got its start as basically one year ago March, you know, when everything started to shut down. And it came about when uh, Tony Wan, who's the uh, managing editor of Ed Surge at, at the time, and I were like suddenly seeing all these events slamming shut. Um, I recall, you know, when South by Southwest EDU was essentially shuttered by the government of the the city of uh, Austin. Uh like three days before it was to start um, and being stunned by that uh, and everything started in domino started to start to, to shut down so a week went by and i was putting notices on twitter and linkedin about this is closed and this is closed and i'm not gonna be able to make meet anybody here and i went to tony i said tony i gotta start keeping track of all this i cannot keep track of who is still having an event and who is not so on march 18th 2020 uh he created a google sheet I volunteered to populate it, and uh, for at least at the start, every day. And now, at least once or twice a week, we're uh, I'm keeping track of what events that had been scheduled have gone virtual, have canceled, or have postponed.
0: And I don't want to focus on 2020 as it's in the rearview mirror, but um, the the trend there obviously were people wondering if things were going to go virtual. They all pretty much did, you know.
1: of 128 events that I was tracking went virtual. I
0: I ran some numbers just for that. Yeah, right. Uh, But there were a few outliers that actually had, I guess, uh, do you know IEI? Is that uh, Doug Roberts' events? Uh, he, He actually had a couple that were in person.
1: There were a few that that were not on the list, and I I should clarify the number I just gave you. That was 79% were affected out of the entire year's total. Not all went virtual. 51% of the year's total went virtual. 28% were canceled entirely. Got it. And that was just of the 128, which tended to be national events, uh, also um, some super regionals and a few state events. And they were focused on essentially industry-oriented or association events. So there yeah. were a lot of like academic events that were not tracked. There are a lot of events out there,
0: right? But right. it's it's I think directionally it's pretty accurate as to what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, when you look at that data, and and as you continue to track it, um, what is your what are your feelings? What does your magic eight ball say about? Let's start with the near term. Now, I, I go through several existential crises during the day. One of them involves not being able to go to an airport and and get on an airplane and go to one of these events. And, and as I mentioned, I, I keep looking at your at your list to see you know is is something going to pop up. I keep I keep having this fever dream that ISTE maybe in San Antonio at some point might say, hey, we're actually going to have some sort of in in person events. Give us a little bit of your your sense of where the state of play is when it comes to industry ed tech events. Well,
1: let me take a comparison first off of where we are so far in 2021 compared to what happened. Basically, from March 11th onward, where everything changed, right? Uh, Everything was either virtual or canceled or postponed. So in 2021, uh, I'm tracking 135 events, a few more on the calendar. And as of March 11th, which is where I put a stake in the ground, because that is considered by many as the the day everything started to shut down. um, 44% of events for the whole year have been affected so far in 2021, even by March 11th, Uh, 38% of those have gone virtual, Uh, 4% have canceled, and 2% have postponed. But here's the interesting change. Last year, a whole bunch canceled. I mean, 28% canceled. This year so far, 4% through the whole year have canceled. So -hmm. what you're seeing in prognostication is um, in-person events have hybrid as a backup plan. That's one big change this year. You're seeing a lot more events out of the gate announcing we're in person and, oh, by the way, we're online just in case. And we'll probably stay online anyway, even if we are able to do an in-person event. Yeah. So hybrid has become the backup plan. Um, the, uh, uh, the other thing you're seeing is a lot more interest and comfort with virtual tools. The tools and techniques have gotten better for doing online conferences. I give ISTI a lot of credit for this. They built their own platform last year when they were forced to go virtual. They're going virtual again this year. Um, But you know, they basically said, you know, this can't be all about Zoom because it's a miserable experience for networking and for serendipity and for all the things you really expect. The lobby bar or airport experience we were talking about earlier. So I, I think those are the two big changes is Hybrid, and um, and uh, better tools.
0: Well, yeah, and you you mentioned the the, the ISTE platform, and I just spent um, a few hours on the South by Southwest Edu platform, which was also a a really strong, uh, strong, in terms of both asynchronous delivery, or uh, synchronous delivery. You know, there's some really great uh, you know, sessions to watch, but the asynchronous side, and it's something that when I've been having conversations about remote learning. And there's always that distinction between, sure, there's the Zoom call, but where is the learning happening on the, on the asynchronous side? Am I able to upload documents? Am I able to do that sort of stuff? And you say that with this, it's the same thing. I mean, for years, I've gone to these events and they say, be sure to register online and we'll do follow-up and we'll have follow-up. I never participated in it. I don't know if, if, if there ever was much of a participation. Do you think that that may be something that sticks now that the tools have accelerated and people's behaviors have accelerated to see this as part of, of their day-to-day life?
1: I can't imagine any conference that has successfully done uh, an online conference giving up on the hybrid approach going forward. There are a couple of reasons for it. One is they've, they've made the investment in time and sometimes money to, Get the platform to work properly, right? Right. Second is there are always going to be people who want to attend and are willing to pay to attend who just physically can't take the time to go somewhere. It That's may right. be it's too far away. It could be a rotating conference that changes cities. Uh, it may be that they have a personal conflict, but they'd attend two days out of three and they'd pay full boat to go if yeah. they have to get on an airplane. So I, I think we're going to see, um, see the concept of hybrid become standard operating procedure. That's one. Uh, two is if you think about it, the whole thing about what you were talking about regarding uh, uh, asynchronous follow-up and files and all that, it's sort of an evolution of the Twitter back channel that we all took part in at live conferences when we were there in person. So it's, it's, it's an evolution of where we were already going, much like has happened with schools accelerated with the
0: pandemic. Right, right. Now, the, there's, a, there's another side to this coin, right, when you look at the dynamics of, of Ed of Tegev- EdTech events, and as someone who's both covered them as a journalist, as well as participated in working with, you know, sponsors and advertisers and the folks who are supporting either an industry event, um, um, we'll look at industry events, right? I mean, all of these organizations are supported by the industry putting money in, which, at the end of the day is to generate leads for for business for them. Right. And again, you have the, you have the exhibition show floor and you have thousands of education teams, um, you know, prowling around, whether this is a regional event or, or not. um, You can't do that virtually. Right. I mean, you can't bring in that business. Now I've been to a few with avatars and, we're supposed to go over virtually and introduce, like, I don't know. It, it didn't happen with Second Life 10 years ago. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see it happening now. Um, do you see a change in that dynamic or do, do we go back to that normal or is it going to be different from a vendor perspective, from a sponsor perspective?
1: Well, I will say I am the one The one set of events I'm really worried about going forward are those that relied on a huge trade show floor mm-hmm. for revenue, especially the nonprofit associations, the the ISTEs, the American Library Association, the Educauses. I mean, ISTE has been virtual two years in a row and they don't have that trade show floor. Uh, American Library Association canceled its huge event last year and it's virtual this year. Educause was virtual last year, hybrid this year. So I do worry about the revenue to keep these associations going that, do, a, sure. that you know, a, have, do good work in higher education and libraries and K-12. I do think the trade show floors have to come back. I do think that they may become more than the conference, the primary drive going in person. Uh, the number of uh, vendors who I have annoyed at conferences by going by their booth saying, okay, I see your marketing stuff on there. What do you really do? What do you actually sell? Right. You can't do that in a virtual environment, um, uh, well, you can, but they can then just turn off your camera. So <laughs> I, I, I can't get rid of me that easily in person. So I do think there is that, that walking the hall to see what's new that needs to come back. And that is really the benefit of many of these events, not just for the um, educator buyers, but also for the vendors themselves to see what other companies are doing.
0: Sure, sure. It's, so I mean, it's, 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 much a, more it's, a, it's a true, it's a true yeah. bizarre, and, you know, B-A-Z-A-A-R, right? I mean, just to kind of see what's happening and, 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 and who's doing what. And that also goes back to the dynamic between teacher agency or, you know, lower rung educators influencing technology purchases in their districts versus that director of technology or that superintendent, right? Who's, you, you look at some of these booths and you have a information system that a district's going to spend millions of dollars on but they're still giving a squeegee ball to every other teacher who goes by with their branding on it, right? That there always seemed to be a disconnect for me there. Um, Will that continue or will they just kind of say, will there be two different needs or two different setups um, for who's in attendance?
1: I think it'll, you know, the in-person events will probably go back to what they were. They'll be more targeted because I think, you know, one thing too is um, while a lot of vendors in EdTech have seen a lot of more interest in their products, they haven't seen necessarily as many more people willing to pay for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is depending on the category that they're in. So I think in some respects, some vendors will see their trade show budgets uh, slashed and they won't be able to have the kind of presence and do the kind of tchotchkes like the squish balls. And I I, I do challenge any to come up with a squished tardigrade, which <laughs> is what this is, uh, which is from Archie McPhee here in Seattle. And it's that's next um, level right there. That's next level. Exactly. And uh, that's why you're so calm. Exactly. Because it's a, uh, it, it's just a great microscopic uh, water bear that's been made into a large squishable thing. But uh, going back to the, the events, you know, exhibitors, go to trade shows for two reasons. One is leads, as you've mentioned, the other is awareness, signing mm-hmm. up teachers for a new thing to try to get uh, some kind of, and I, I hesitate to use this word virality uh, about their offerings. Um, so I, I do think you might see fewer there for awareness and more there for leads in the future in person. Uh, but you know, another beautiful benefit of these in-person events is you get to see from year to year how an industry has changed. Uh, I'm sure some people will recall the National Educational Computing Conference, which then uh, evolved into ISTE. And when it was NEC, it was basically networking hardware vendors and Ethernet cabling and, you know, yeah. disk drives. And now it's everything. So I do think that these these trade shows serve a Bigger purpose for the industry, which is to show the state of the art and the direction of the industry, and that's a valuable thing. I think a lot of people will want to attend at an in-person event that they just simply cannot get that feel uh, and energy from
0: online. Well, that's an interesting segue into another question I had for you. Uh, You know, the before the pandemic, I call it BP, right? We're BP, and uh, we're in DP, and hopefully, AP is, is is coming soon, but. I had noticed a trend, and at least just in my own coverage of the space, more and more interest in the international markets mm-hmm. and international events, uh, one of which I had the, the luxury of being able to attend when you talk about kind of industry yearly markers was the bet show in in, in the UK. And man, everybody was there with their announcements, and it really did kind of set the stage for the, for the rest of the year. Um, I noticed that on the list you you are focused specifically in North America based, right? Was was that that's a, correct? It, a, a, pre- it, it, a strategic reason for that?
1: Uh, it, it it has to do with a bandwidth reason, I think. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah, only there are only so many times. I mean, literally every week, at least once a week, I click through every event that has not changed that's in the future, just as and then I have to scour the websites to see if they've hidden a the mention of a change somewhere. Yeah, right. Uh, it is not necessarily a, a non tedious project. So the reason it's U.S. only, in my own Twitter feed, I, I do talk about international events, but on this list, to keep it as complete as possible, we had to limit it to the U.S.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, when we enter into the uh, AP phase of things, um, do you think the dynamic that, or I mean, agree or disagree with me if you saw that there was more of an international feel to the, to the markets and to the coverage, you know, where you have bet being something that was as influential in the U.S. as ISTE, um, is if that is a right or wrong uh, presumption on my part.
1: I would agree. Uh, I think, and it's it it goes beyond BET. Um, you know, BET is extremely influential globally, including in the U.S. So is the Frankfurt Book Fair, mm. uh, it, because again, I I I tend to think that there's an artificial line drawn between libraries and uh, and ed tech. Absolutely, uh, because libraries are as much in ed tech as as anybody. So I do think that, you know, there are at least a couple of international shows that have a huge impact on the U S Frankfurt book fair, and also um, a bet. Uh, similarly, ISTE has an international presence has had for a long time uh, of, of people internationally coming over. And a lot of this, the pure conferences like ASU GSV summit, yeah. huge international presence yeah. of, uh, of deal makers essentially who are yeah. from other countries. Yeah.
0: Um, so when you look at it that way, um is there an opportunity here for another brand or another element to come in and kind of take over this space um, because of this two-year lag of, of of nothingness? I mean, is there something new that's going to spring out of this, or do you think some of our old guard will come back and and take over and, and march on?
1: Well, I am concerned about the number of events in 2021 that have even been not posted plans for the year. Mm. Uh, You know, in the the sheet I'm looking at uh, about 11% of events that I would have expected to have posted dates and plans for 2021 still haven't. I wonder if they're dead forever. I mean, there is that possibility. So you're gonna see, I think you're gonna see some culling first off uh, of those that just simply cannot survive. Uh, I do think that as I mentioned before, hybrid will allow a lot of international events to draw audiences from other countries. That wouldn't necessarily travel, I've never been to a bet, happy to attend a virtual one,
0: yeah, yeah, okay,
1: no no, no jet lag
0: yeah, um no, right
1: <laughs> you know uh i i so I think I think we still have to see how the rest of this year shakes out, honestly, okay. before we can draw a conclusion as to whether new events could come in, but I wouldn't be surprised if some do that essentially are online first, there have been some of those in the past, but they've been kind of niche, they haven't necessarily drawn a lot of people uh. Up. Uh, or, or been considered high profile. And one of them recently went under. So it's, it would be interesting to see if somebody can say, we're, an, we're a virtual event. And oh, by the way, if you want to show up in person, feel free. Right. So flip, flip the script a little bit. And right. I, I see a couple of them doing that, where they're, they have this sort of exclusive limited attendance in-person event. I've seen two events do that for 2021, but everything is really being promoted toward virtual. That might be a new
0: direction. Okay. So I'll, I'll put you to the spot here um short term uh, what i'm I'm hearing from you is hybrid um long term in person but there's a new there's a new look and feel
1: in person but there is everything is optimized for serendipity which everybody misses those connections you make in the hallways that you never thought you would make with speakers i think there'll be a lot more informal programming and networking to make, to to basically say, yeah, this is better than a Zoom call, right? Right. So I I think that'll be one major change you'll see. Why should I attend in person if I can just get everything I want uh, on video, otherwise in programming? Uh, Two is I think, you know, there's gonna be, there are gonna be issues of scale. I think things are gonna be slow to come back in terms of the size we've seen events before. Um, You know, international travel restrictions aren't going away immediately. Mm -hmm. So events that drew a lot internationally are going to have some challenges as well. I think for the rest of 2021, probably through the middle of 2022. Okay.
0: Well, you're, you're bringing me down a little bit, Frank. I was, I was hoping hoping that we'd be bumping into each other, you know, in in late June in in San Antonio, but I I appreciate uh, the reality check. And I know that uh, for all of our uh, folks who are either listening or, or watching Uh, they everyone has bated breath to see uh, the event space go back because it really I mean I've been in a number of different verticals there's nothing more positive than than an education event where you get to spend time with innovative educators and innovative you know industry people who are looking to improve the lives of of our kids and I do feel that that um, whether how how quickly or slowly it happens, it's, it's inevitable. So, um, but I appreciate your time today. I think uh, there's some really great insights out of this, and uh, I hope you continue to track, and I hope your, um, your in-person tab starts to fill up uh, more, uh, more quickly than, than not.
1: I'll consider it a success if, so far all the events have gone from uh, in-person to either virtual or canceled or postponed any one of those three i'll consider it a success when they start flipping in the other direction and people change their minds yeah and decide to go back to in person and i personally have on my calendar attending events starting this fall so Excellent. i hope that that is that we're able to hang out in a lobby bar
0: at that point uh, with lots of our uh, colleagues and friends i will toast to that well frank thanks again for your time thanks everybody for for listening and watching and please uh tune into another edtech today, soon.